This is the Black Creative Handbook with your host Cassandra Lauren Gordon. This podcast will help to inspire, motivate and give that blueprint, the manual for success for people in the creative businesses, for people from the African and Black diaspora to help us just move along, get that bag, and no more starving artist syndrome. No, out the door. Co-work with us. Be with us and be successful and get the gems. You might have heard in the podcast or you're going to hear it soon that this was called the Creative For You podcast. Don't worry about that. It's Creative For You. Let's be successful and be positive. Hi, this is the Black Creative Handbook with your host, Cassandra Lauren Gordon. And I am here with, who am I here with? Katie. You are here with Katie and Powell. Great. Because uh, I thought I was I by was. myself. I felt like I was <laughs> so good. Oh, no, I, I was hanging here. Oh, thank you. So Katie and Powell, <laughs> how, do you, how would you like to be introduced to the world? Oh, gosh, I don't know. You know, I just debated with myself as I should. I introduce myself as Dr. Katie and Powell or just Katie and Powell. I'll just say I'm officially Dr. Katie and Powell, but I am both the managing director and founder for Born Beautiful Naturals. um, And I am also a lecturer in sociology and Black studies at Birmingham City University. So I wear two hats. multi-talented multi-talented okay great so before we get into the creative businesses and your intellectual mind we do some quick fire questions so okay randomly and you just say which one you, you prefer and why great okay I'm are ready you, are you a morning person or are you a night owl I am definitely a morning person I have been a morning person since I was a teenager I used to get up at like 4 a.m. to finish my homework because it just felt quieter and more peaceful. So I go to bed early, wake up early, have that time to myself. Um, I don't get up at 4 a.m. anymore, but I still very much, when I wake up in the morning, I like to have a little time to myself. And it's always my most creative time. Um, I think a lot better during that time. So always, always prefer the mornings. Perfect. Thank you very much. Okay. Do you prefer to type or to write? Depends. I have a more intimate connection with pen and paper. So sometimes if the typing is not working out for me, I take pen to paper and that kind of kickstarts my mind. Okay. Coffee or tea? both if it's a morning coffee after the morning tea okay I hear you I hear you Uh, (laughs) I was going to ask you two types of tea um because I know you're from Jamaican descent I was going to say like a sorrel tea or moringa tea you know I prefer peppermint (laughs) peppermint okay okay I hear you peppermint and why is that (laughs) Why do you like peppermint tea? Um, because I have a lot of stomach-related issues. Um, just my plagued with that from my father's side of the family, those genes. Uh, so it just um, helps to settle my stomach more. So that's what I drink mostly. Um, although I do like sorrel. Um, I, just, I just don't drink it as regularly. Um, I also like, uh, you know, uh, spiced chai tea as well from uh, India with the nutmeg and the cinnamon and a little bit of ginger in it as well and ginger tea sometimes I'll drink that Mm. which is also very Jamaican okay okay (laughs) Thursdays or Sundays Sundays why is that because Sundays I get to stay in bed while my wife gets up and makes a coffee and tends to the dog and makes me breakfast. So Sundays. <laughs> Sounds like a dream. Okay, okay. I understand how 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 your Sundays roll. Okay. And my last question I'm gonna ask you. <laughs> do you prefer going to the cinema or watching films at home? 
I am a homebody. So I, if I'm honest, most of the time I prefer watching it at home, but you know, I like to go out. So, you know, I enjoy going to the cinema, but I, I like to be at home. <laughs> okay, understood. So now we know a lot about your mind and what you do. Um, and yeah. Let's talk about, say that you're a doctor and you have this great how, how would you describe it? Um, in my, my mind, I don't want to say anything bad, but it's like this beauty. Would you say beauty? Would you say beauty or skincare or hair care? Like, how would you d- describe your, your, your company? Well, I'd, I'd say beauty because it's both hair care and um, sensitive skincare, which um, just kind of started because of problems that I was going through and people I knew were going through that I ended up sort of like catering for both because I didn't intend to have a brand to begin with um so I would say I would say beauty okay understood so which one do you want to go through first do you want to talk about what you do and your expertise as academic or do you want to talk about the brand uh, well we could talk about my uh, academia because I think that will flow into the brand because they they have a lot of connection actually cool so let's start that can I I'm just going to preface um professor a little bit like saying that um, I wanted to be an academic once but I couldn't get any funding for my PhD so um I do appreciate ac- academics and what they bring to society not everyone is an expert you know just because you no, go on no. the internet <laughs> and you do a video essay doesn't always listen (laughs) so it really it really troubles me sometimes and I did do a psychology stroke sociology degree um Mm -hmm. so it really when I hear like I'm in my 30s but when I hear like 15 year olds in their video essay which is fine and then Mm -hmm. some expert and oh people like BBC call them or they go to a celebrity like how are we going to sort out society I'm just like but you have all these sociologists you have all these coaches who can give you a very good informed view of the world and what's actually going on backed up with data I just don't know why people don't Mm -hmm. because sometimes when I watch like French stuff I don't don't speak French but if I sometimes see French Mm -hmm. news and they talk about the world or something happened in the world they go to philosophers and they go to sociologists but in this country yep they don't it was like let's go ask dizzy rascal about this big complex sociology thing and i'm just like what the, why do you go to university for why do you have sociologists i will tell you why i will tell you why because unfortunately i really feel that the uk has been adopting a lot of the worst aspects of american media as well as american politics which is about the salaciousness and the um engagement and the um the the ratings that it matters less what your argument is based on and the soundness of it it matters more how people react to it and one thing i i have appreciated about french culture is they have a pretty long history of making celebrities out of philosophers, academics, sociologists, right? They would be on uh, nighttime uh, talk shows. We used to have that um, in Britain. We used to have that in America, I would say up until like the 1970s. And that really stopped by the 1980s and it became increasingly more about entertainment and engagement and ratings and, and, and reaction. And that's just gotten even worse with the advent of reality TV. And now that we have social media, it's all about the reaction, right? So people have to say provocative things um, in order to get that. And now we live in a world where we treat our celebrities like politicians and treat our politicians like they're celebrities, including not holding them accountable for what we elect them for and all of that. But I don't want to go too far off. Sorry of that, about that. Sorry. I absolutely. Kidding. You know, I think there's too much of people trying to be their own expert and wanting to argue online with people who are literal experts and have Oh, sorry. No, I'm here. Yeah, because on screen you're frozen. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about the internet gods. But I, I do, I do, I do agree what you're saying. It's like you guys have studied, you people have studied for so much time, and people want to argue with you with fact, you know, which there's, there's just facts. <laughs> I 
just find it really fascinating um but yeah but thank you for sharing that with me so what would you like to start with to show your entrepreneurial journey from your academia yeah um well uh, we could talk about how um back in 2014 when I was frustrated with my academia academic career or the very early start of it that it led me down the road of making products um yeah I was um so I before I actually got to BCU I tried to start at um Birmingham University of Birmingham um and I you know, couldn't get funding like then. So I was going part-time and funding it myself. I was working three jobs <laughs> and uh, studying part-time there, which was quite a lot. I was working at Aldi um, here in, in Sully Oak and had like a, a writing job and a, and a teaching job at the, at the school. Um, and I, I just, I could not get my topic together and I just, nothing felt right. I didn't feel like the team that I had put together, um, you know, on campus was right for me. And so I was just very unsettled. And I was also going through my own issues with my natural hair care at the time. And my number one problem was trying to detangle my hair um, and trying to, you know, get something that was going to cut down on that detangling time um, and shower. So when I came across a YouTube, uh, um, video of a girl making an extremely simple conditioner in her microwave. Um, and it was not like her with bananas and avocados. It, she was using, you know, behentrimonium methyl sulfate, which is uh, a conditioning kind of emulsifier. I was like, oh, I, I can get my hands on stuff like that. And I could do that. So I became really fascinated. And I started my research about how to properly do this. And Unbeknownst to me, I got really interested in cosmetic chemistry and how these different elements were coming together. And I decided to try it myself. Um, to make a long story short, it I started with a conditioner. It took me like eight tries, and like over the period of like many months <laughs> before I got something that I could use. And I felt like, oh, this works. And that became our avocado smoothie, um, nourishing um, conditioner. So when I made that, I was like, wow, I did something that had like a really positive outcome. And it was the opposite of what I was feeling with my PhD, because all of that was very cerebral and in my head. And I didn't feel like I was getting it right. But I had this other creative and thing that made me feel really purposeful. It was very meditative because I could just spend time doing that. And I knew that whether it was good or it was not that great, at the end of that process, I would have something to show for it. And the PhD, that was like years off. And so making um, like a product that could solve a problem really became my way of kind of like surviving and caring for myself and my mental well-being as I was going through a very frustrating academic process. Okay, understood. So you talk about your first product. How did you expand? Well, after I did that one, I literally created a list of other problems that I had. <laughs> and I was like, well, if I could do that with a conditioner, what other issues do I have that I could potentially research and solve? And so that's how it started. And um, it took me about a year or so before um, I felt confident enough to start giving some of those things that I had to, to friends and family for, um, you know, their birthdays or Christmas or things like that. And then they were the ones who were impressed enough to say, hey, you made this, I have a problem, or there's this thing that I need that doesn't exist, or I can't seem to find the right thing, and can you make a solution for it? And so then I would try to make something based on their specification, and that's how our line grew. So the kinds of products that we have happen because it fit a need that somebody had. It was either myself or friends or uh, a family member. Okay, so it started with a problem and you 
came yes. to solve the problems of entrepreneurship so yeah solving problems okay yeah you okay so how did you have the time by having your nine to five and being academic is not a nine nine to five like you have to read you got you got to publish this is your life uh, and yeah. very um com- competitive so how how did you mm-hmm. do that how, I, don't, I don't understand that life how do you do all you know academia and then do this <laughs> well I think in the first few years back when it was still like a hobby for me and um you know I ended up switching to BCU a year later in um, May of 2015. Um, once, uh, cause I'd known Kehinde Andrews, Dr. Kehinde Andrews um, before I went to BCU. So when he moved there and he secured some um, bursaries, uh, he knew about my topic and, um, excuse me, he said to me, hey, you know, we have these bursaries uh, available. You should apply and see if you can get one, you know, I know you're looking for funding. So I did, and I'm very grateful that I did end up being one of the people that received one of those bursaries. Um, So then that meant I was working there as a, um, like an assistant lecturer um, or seminar leader. So that means I didn't have to have three jobs anymore. I could just have that one. So that certainly helped. I wasn't all over the place. Um, And I think the first year or so when you're reading a lot and you're trying to figure things out, I certainly had more time and uh, making products and things like that became like my number one hobby. That was the main thing that I did outside of, uh, of academia. So I didn't feel that pressure then. Um, it started to become more pressure. Um, definitely by 2018, it was extremely stressful for me things were starting to pick up more with uh, my brand. And then I accepted like a full-time teaching as a uh, maternity cover for another lecturer. Um, And I started getting up very early in the morning and going to bed very late. That's how I managed it. And that was very bad. And I had to stop that by, um, by spring of 2019 because it was definitely impacting my health. <laughs> and uh, I had to reshuffle like my life and what I was doing. Yeah. So how do you do that? Because um me, I, I'm finding as things getting more in my life creatively, I call myself like a multi potentialite or multidisciplinary. I do different things. My main thing is jewelry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not sleeping well. And I have to really, mm. really look at my 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 routine and really try to have a yeah. routine and be disciplined. So I'm just wondering your methods. How do you navigate being very busy? Well, um, the major wake up call for me was that um, well, between 2018 and 2019, that period, I gained quite a bit of weight um, from the stress um, and. I hadn't connected everything, but I knew that I had, I knew that I did not feel good. Um, And so I reached out to a trainer about, because I wanted to get fit again. And I was going through the intake. And one of the first questions he asked me was about my sleep. And he said, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? And I told him, you know, I get about four to five hours of sleep again. And he's like, I have to stop you right there because until you change that, nothing else you do is going to benefit you. And he would not take me on as a client until I changed my sleep habits. Cause he said, when you don't get enough sleep, your brain, um, like something in your brain is triggering your hunger and you don't make very good decisions about food. So then you will reach for food that's going to not nourish you as much. It's going to contribute to your lethargy. You're not going to be very clear thinking about that. And so you're going to repeat this, this cycle um, of this. So you need to have your sleep, allow your body to sort of like um, return, you know, cell turnover and all of that to regenerate. Um, And once he shared that with me, the way he put it, the connection between um, sort of my mental alertness, my appetite, um, my energy, that I was doing myself a disservice that to allow myself to sleep the additional 
three hours that I needed to get, you know, seven hours um, at least, I was actually going to be more productive during the hours that I was away. So now I'm like very religious about going to bed um, around a certain time. I build in like wind down time um, at night and I build in um, time in the morning where I can fully wake up and get into, into my day. And I can say that I have, I don't, I have not become less productive than when I was, you know, sleeping before, but it it is something that you have to, to come, um, to accept that you have to value sleep the way you value awake productivity. And you have to think about sleep as a productive thing to your life. Mm, Absolutely. Um, I am reflecting as you were, as you were speaking, I'm like, this girl, I was going to say to myself, like from tomorrow, I'm going to get back into my routine. And it's about the discipline, isn't it? Because sometimes I don't feel like it. Or sometimes I have this kind of battle of like, not scarcity, not scarcity mindset. It does. Like, are you a night person or are you a morning person? I'm a morning person. I'm a morning person, definitely. So it's really hard going bed late, like three okay. o'clock and then waking up for six. I was just like, Ugh. But my, my body's like, but I need to do it. There's so much stuff to do. Uh-huh. Oh my God, if I don't do this, if I don't do this, it won't get done. And I'm like, but to what cost? And then and then I crash. That's it. That's the part. The cost. <laughs> Definitely the cost. Definitely. So um, I'm taking inspiration from you. And um and I don't I don't want to make it seem like, oh, it's so easy because this is the, the sleep is not an ongoing struggle with me. Um yeah, sorry, I think we have some crossover there. No, I'm here. All good. Are you there? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I wanted to say, yeah, it's definitely about part of it is the cost, you know, and what is it that you truly value and is it sustainable for you to be getting three hours of sleep a night? It doesn't sound like it is. And sometimes just something has to to wake you up from you know that that process. Uh, for you to begin changing things. And it's hard. And I don't, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, after I had that conversation with that guy that, you know, sort of things flipped in an, in an instant, it was a, it was a process for me because I had to train my body to adapt to a certain schedule. And there's still some times where, you know, my to-do list or just the way the day has worked out, means that, oh, you know, I'm going to bed an hour, two hours later than I want to, but still waking up at the same time. But I just be, I'm careful so that it's not, you know, happening all the time for me, that it's an anomaly rather than a a, a regularly scheduled um, thing. But yeah, I think setting up some kind of routine, something that you always do before you go to bed or that you do in the morning really, really helps. Perfect. So let's talk about more about your brand, the, you know, born beautiful brand, like tell us about the values you as a leader, how do you come up with the values? Cause I think in this day and age, it's not just about the products, about people wanting yeah. about the founder and about what you want to bring into the world. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right that it's not just um, about the products because there are a lot of brands, you know, on the market um, with products. And I think particularly in the last, I would say five years, four to five years, there's been a huge uptick and surge of black owned, especially natural hair care brands, and even some that are curly hair care brands, um, especially in, in, in Britain. Um, you know, obviously America has been doing this for a, a bit longer, but I think for, I didn't want to have a brand at first. And I was encouraged by one of my friends to um, start selling my products. And it took me a year because I was like, I had to figure out, first of all, I had to work up the confidence to do this and value what I do and, and understand that others could find value in the products that I was making. But also I had to think about what am I offering? Like, what's the offer here? You know, it's not just, oh, here's a conditioner, here's a shampoo. Um, But I had to figure out what is this brand about? So our values are about one, providing 
solutions-based hair care and skin care, right? So we're always starting with what's the challenge and how can we fix this? And how can we do so in a way that isn't going to create a huge impact uh, on the earth or that's going to be you know, um, as simple and straightforward as possible. But we also want to give people joy and a sense of safety and reliability when they use our products. You know, We want them to feel like I can always depend on that. I know it's gonna work for me. I love the feeling of using it and I can like really depend on it and also feel good about the fact that you know, there aren't a bunch of um, non-helpful chemicals uh, in it or it's not being you know, manufactured and flown in from China. It's being you know, made uh, right here. Um, and the other part of our values is that everything that we started making really has been led by Black women, right? Not just me. So the people that I mentioned earlier about coming to me and asking for solutions, they were all Black women. So there are very few brands that when they are thinking about their products, their ethos or whatever, are thinking about Black women first. And we're used to, I think, as Black people, and definitely as Black women, using all kinds of products that A, didn't even consider us except when it came to our dollars, but not in the formulation, not in the marketing, you know, and made us an afterthought. And I wanted to make us my first thought. So those are, you know, really the values behind the brand is centering, caring for, and valuing and providing solutions for Black women's needs. Absolutely, because it's 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 very important because sometimes sometimes the beauty industry excludes people or make it very hard, mm-hmm. you know, to have genuine products which really suit our needs, um, which you know our white counterparts have a plethora of stuff. So thank you for making sure that black women are <laughs> at the heart of your of your beauty brand. Um, what advice would you give someone? Like, I want to start a beauty brand now to see, like, Rihanna, to see everyone can just all... Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know they're not black, but they do blackfish a lot. But, you know, they, <laughs> they, you know, people like, oh, I can just do... I can just go on, you know, somewhere. And, you know, what do you say to, you know, to people, like, if they're really serious, if they want to start, like, a beauty brand or something like that? Yeah, I mean, one, I would say, like, this is not a game and it's not just cute. Oh, I want to have a brand and, you know, uh, for people to celebrate me or, you know, things like that. I think if you're very serious about um, having a brand or being a brand owner, then I think you need to take serious stock of what are the things that you think are your strengths, but also really understand what your weaknesses are, um, because, it being an entrepreneur, being a brand owner is not about knowing everything, but it's about knowing when you do know something and knowing when you don't know something and you need help and you need like, you know, expert um, help. So know those two areas. And I would also say research what are the regulations and the laws and things that you need to understand before you put yourself um, out there, you know, contacting or understanding um, if you're going into the beauty industry, you know, cosmetic science, if you're going into clothing, whatever, know the industry that you are going into. It's not just as simple as, well, I know how to make this thing. And, you know, I can set up an Etsy store or, or a Shopify. It's, there are definitely more um, uh, rules and issues surrounding that, that you need to be cognizant of um, and, and think about. Okay, cool. I've got, I've got to ask this. Okay. What, I don't know how to say it as a simple question, but what I'm trying to get at is for black women, what are some simple steps to make sure our skin and hair is okay? Because I, when I go on YouTube, I'm confused. There's 10 million steps. I don't have 10 million wash days. I don't have 10 Mm -hmm. million times to do that as a busy entrepreneur, artist, whatever you want to call me. Mm-hmm. X amount of time. I don't want my skin to crack. <laughs> yeah. I don't want my hair to grow. Mm-hmm. What are the basics that I can do for a busy life? What what I was putting it out there. Sure. I'm happy to answer that question. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna answer the question first with hair and skincare. And then I'm gonna talk about why it is that you see YouTube videos with 50 11 steps, right? Okay. So first with your hair, um, understand that. 
with your hair and your skin, what you put into your body is extremely important, including sleep. Okay. Um, and then that is going to show in the quality of your hair and the quality of your skin. There's literally nothing you can put on your head that's going to make your hair grow. So if you see products that are promising you use this and your hair will grow, ignore that because it's not about the product you use. The products are important, but your method is also important. Very simply to take care of your hair, you need to be cleansing it on a regular basis. I can tell you scientifically why the conditioner only process will not work and you will eventually run into problems with your scalp um, because your scalp needs to be clean because that is the thing that is producing the hair, right? Because once your hair comes out of your scalp, it's dead. So scalp needs to be healthy in order to keep producing that hair. So cleansing your scalp, at least I would say every seven to 12 days or so, just depending on your lifestyle and your routine conditioning regularly, detangling, um, you should be using a deep conditioner, I would say at least once a month, maybe even twice a month. After you do that, literally styling your hair can be extremely simple. And there's no reason why you have to use more than two products unless you're doing something complicated. What you need is something that is going to um, moisturize or seal in the moisture. So anything like the moisturizing cream or a leave-in conditioner like you have, and then a sealant like an oil or um, like a, a balm are the only things that you need. Everything else is extra like gel or mousse or any of that kind of stuff. Um, keeping your hair uh sort of um, in a protective style most of the time, tucking your ends away is a great way of ensuring that you can um, retain the hair growth that you're having. But it's really that simple, cleansing your scalp and your hair regularly, conditioning, detangling it, making sure that it is um, hydrated and you seal in the hydration. When you do those two things, that's moisturizing. Um, and doing that process on a regular basis, every, um, at least every 10 to 12 days or so. It's really that simple and really that unglamorous, which is why you have a lot of YouTube videos that try to pizzazz it up all the time, right? Because they're trying to get views and they're trying to get engagement. They're not, most of them are not trying to necessarily educate because if we just kept it to the simple part, people would be bored in terms of entertainment but that's how simple it is. For your skin, you don't need a 10-step skincare. Um, okay, like, because those Koreans, yeah, I'm looking at those those, <laughs> those, those Koreans because their skin are nice. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's beautiful. Like, it's, it's gorgeous, right? But, like, if you want to do all that, you're going after a certain look or glass skin. And I think what's interesting is that these things like are trendy. Like, they come in trends. And I'm like, okay, well, five years from now, what's the trend going to be is everybody going to try to be like super matte or whatever right there was the dewy look the um you know there's a matte look so i cannot treat my skin based on trends i you need to treat your skin based on your lifestyle and what kind of skin you have um again diet is extremely important if you're having a lot of carbohydrates a lot of like um simple sugars it will start to show on your skin skin is going to start to look dull. Um, I know when I'm having too much sugar because I start to get like small bumps on my forehead. I have a couple now because I've been wilding. But <laughs> when you eat more vegetables, when I tell you the clarity in your skin starts to improve within like two weeks of like regularly doing that. But just like with your hair, you need to be regularly cleansing your skin. You need to use something mild. Don't use something that's going to be harsh. The Where you think you should be like extra tough on your skin, especially if you have oily skin or you have like, you know, problematic skin where you have like a lot of um, bumps or uh, comedones, things like that. You actually need to be doing the opposite. Your skin needs some gentility. It doesn't need harshness. Do not use alcohol-based toners or anything that's going to sting your face should not be stinging your face. It's not a good sign. Um, so cleansing toners are actually not even that necessary unless you're wiping off excessive like um, debris or makeup from the perimeter. 
a moisturizer is extremely important, extremely important for your skin. Um, people who have oily skin, don't be scared of oil. Oil is actually really amazing um, for our skin. In fact, it's one of the best ways to remove makeup um, and a, a great way of cleaning off any debris before you wash the skin. Um, lastly, I would say, just like with a deep conditioning hair mask, I think twice a month, um, as many as once a week, you should be using a, a mask that's going to like gently extract or help um, chemically exfoliate your face. Try not to use anything that has really hard physical exfoliants. So yeah, don't use the walnut scrub. Walnuts are way too coarse to be putting on your face. Um, even that apricot scrub that people really love, the St. Queen Helene's or whatever, that's also a little bit harsh for the skin. But you know, something like salts or, uh, or uh, sugar should be um, okay. But that's as simple as it. Cleanse, um, moisturize, mask, bare minimum three steps. <laughs> um, just added extra. I'm, I, as a person in my 30s, see, I'm just asking, asking for a friend, meaning asking for me. <laughs> my skin is changing naturally because I don't know what aging means. We're just naturally because that's how life is. And I'm like, oh God, bloody hell, 30s hit me hard. So I'm just trying to like stay the same face as much as possible. I don't want any more. Yeah. Lines. I know lines are going to come. If I can yeah. delay a few. Any advices of just delaying the lines a little bit? I forgot something extremely important is that um, I neglected to say um, SPF. I want every Black person out there to really get it into their head that they should be wearing some protection factor. And this is, it's it's great if you can get it in your moisturizer, but it's something that you should be putting on on top every of a moisturizer. Every day. Um, okay. Even in Britain, where you go through like four seasons in a day, or even when you think it's overcast, those rays are still getting through. You might be able to wear like a lower factor on those days. But as we're approaching summer, you know, break out the 50s. You, you need to be 50. wearing. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm just getting 30s. Okay. I'm going to get the 50. But the thing is, what I yeah, hate. Yeah, I think like the more intense. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. The thing what I hate is like, it's that it's the it's that creamy stuff it's the creamy thing and you're like oh why am i why, why my face too shiny but i need to find like an invisible one like a, a 50 which is in fact just spray like a more serum type yeah, um, yeah, yeah. like a gel like kind of thing yeah no they people have come like a really um long way uh in making different types of, of sunscreen so it doesn't feel like as greasy or leave a um ashy cast um, um as you can i would definitely um google because it's escaping me now um sunscreen for black girls because there are a number of brands that have specifically made them to overcome that ashiness problem for black people but do wear that um, so that's actually also to answer your question one of the ways to help decrease um signs of aging okay. um so i know the whole thing about um black doesn't crack but you know it, it does but we it just takes a little bit longer for us to crack um but you know it can because we have more melanin the more melanin we have most of us tend to have oilier skin um, as a result, but not, not all black people. Um, and the oiliness of our skin does help to preserve it from showing the lines um, as soon, but you can start to get them around the eyes because the skin around the eyes tends to be a little drier and more delicate. Um, but a hyaluronic acid or something that has hyaluronic acid in it is a great way of helping to prolong um, the lines showing up, protecting your skin from the sun, wearing a hat, wearing um, sunscreen, because uh, the sun can do a lot of damage that way. Um, and I would say if you live in a climate that is more um, desert-like, extremely dry and extremely sunny, it's even more important that you have an incredible um, moisturizer and that you are doing that a few times a day and protecting your um, skin from the sun and um, any wind um, because those elements can have a great environmental effect on your skin. 
Understood, understood. Thank you. I'm getting my yeah. Your skin looks amazing, by the way, for what I can see. Like, it's so smooth. I've got so ring even. lights. I've got lighting. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to like fade into the oblivion and fade all of that kind of stuff. So um, thank you, ring light. Lighting is, is, is everything. Um, off the recording, we were talking about you being an introverted brand owner. Would you like to explain yes. that? Um, yeah, you, you talk a lot here, but we're just talking on a podcast, so we, we, we're here for talking. But mm-hmm. in real life, could you explain um, what you feel about in, uh, being an introverted brand owner? Yeah, so, um, you know, being an introverted person doesn't mean that you're necessarily socially awkward or that you don't, that you're a misanthrope, meaning that you don't like people. Um, it's that, that at all, it is that um, I find having to interact and engage with a lot of people, very draining. Um, for instance, when I, um, I got my, this term, I got both of my classes, my lecturing down to one day. And so I do it back to back. So that's five hours marathon, like talking, listening, engaging, interacting, performing, because a lot of teaching is performing with my students. After those five hours and I go home, I'm absolutely dead. I'm not going anywhere. Don't ask me to do anything because my battery, my energy has been zapped by having to deal with so many people for that like amount of time. And so it is that when you're introverted, you do not get your source of energy and strength from other people usually. Um, you recharge by being alone or, you know, being um, sequestered. So that's part of it. And I think um, a lot of times we see entrepreneurs as really like outgoing people, doing everything, being everywhere that you have to um, be at events or engage with a lot of, a lot of people. And so sometimes that is hard for me. So I have to pick when and how I do that. So me speaking here with you for an hour or hour and a half or whatever, I, I love it. You know, I'm very good at smaller groups of people and, you know, speaking with them, but it's when there's a large group of people or a large party or a large conference, I really have to, to pace myself. So I'm not going to be showing up to everything or be the one putting myself out in front all the time because it's, it's just not in my nature. I have to be more strategic about um, how I show up, the things I show up for when I put myself out there on social media as a, as a brand owner. Um, because even that, even though I'm being myself, it is sort of a performance, you know, I'm putting on the brand Cadian, um, you know, persona in order to have the energy to, to deal with, with people. Whereas like if I'm by myself, I probably wouldn't be as energetic. Understood. Understood. Yeah. It's hard, but, but, but I'm probably the opposite, but I'm, I'm an extrovert, but I think COVID and maybe more in, introverted mm. I really have to if I have to come at my house I really have to force myself out to because for two years I'm like <laughs> I don't have to move why do I have to move I could be yeah. from my house <laughs> so that's why I love these type of podcasts you can do it over zoom if the internet yeah. cards allow allow me to be gone, I'm like, I don't have to leave my house I don't have to I don't have to spend no travel card I don't have to I can just stay <laughs> but, but what I've noticed for me when you meet people in real life it helps more. It helps. It does. And it's a different kind of energy. And I, I, I hope I wasn't misrepresenting myself and saying that I enjoy meeting people. I love being able to go out and I almost never regret that. I just know that it wouldn't be something that I could do back to back, like every day. So when they're sort of, if, you know, if I was going to events, say three times a month or something, you know, that would be quite a, a bit for me. So as so long as I can prepare myself um, for the event and like I can show my best self, like I, you know, I, I love it. I went down um, just this past Wednesday, uh, Jammy had their uh, pop-up in um, Shoreditch. It was focused on um, Black female founders uh, this time. And we were one of the brands there. And I went and I really enjoyed myself. I love the, the whole you know, process going down. I got to meet like um, a customer of ours, like while I was there. And 
Uh, I love those interactions because it just like reminds me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, to see the end result and the, the person on the other end of using that product or being helped by that is extremely meaningful to me. And so I love being able to, to go out um, and do that. And it ends up being like, um, sometimes provides creative inspiration uh, for me. So I don't want to make it seem like it's not something I hate doing. It's just something I have to be mindful of when and how many times I do it. I think you've been very, um, what's the word? I don't say economical, that's not the wrong word, but you know when to use your energy and you know when to yeah. use it. And I think as I, before COVID, I think <laughs> I let out a lot of my energy. I'm like, no, you don't have, you, I don't say calculated, but it's just like, you know when to use it. You know when it's yeah. best spent. So like you, you don't want to be tapped out. And I think COVID had made me, or lockdown made me reflect like, you don't always have to be everywhere. You can be strategic. That's it. Strategic. That was the word I was looking for. More strategic about how you yeah. use energy because once the energy's gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. So, uh, you have to recharge, yeah, yeah to, to get the, the battery up again. And so um yeah, I, I've been more careful about that. But you know, I I am gosh, I'm gonna be 43 in July. What? So what if we yeah. were? Okay. <laughs> So we need to get her brand people we'll put it in the show notes because when I'm 43 I want to look like 23 so okay, okay. you look okay oh thank you so a lot of this has come with like age you know, I have learned a to accept things about myself in the I would say in the last five years like okay well that's how you are and just like stop trying to change it just work with what you you have it's not wrong it's just like a different way of living or valuing how you live life and I think sometimes we don't see necessarily a lot of examples uh either online or in media of um being a brand owner being an entrepreneur or um defining success in in different ways so I've had to figure out other ways of validating my own values and, and the way I, I see life understood I just want to catch up with one thing what we've talked about off interview but if you want to still want to talk about about the black feminist yes. practice or black feminism and how do how does that work in this capitalist system and all that kind of a big loaded question for a cultural and sociologist academic but you know let me just sprinkle it on you and get one quick yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's well, the thing is, like, I'm still questioning if it's even possible, right? Because I think if you're reading people like um, Bell Hooks and, and other, um, you know, Black feminists who may be from a uh, Marxist perspective, which is to say capitalism is inherently racist and patriarchal and sexist, and therefore thinking that you're going to be able to thrive under that system is an illusion. And so it's impossible because the very system of capitalism is antithetical to um, uh, human growth and to black people, especially, which yes, I understand that. But I think what those theories and perspectives do not um, emphasize as much or acknowledge is that this is a system that we have. This is a system that we've had for a few hundred years. And I don't know if we would be able to switch or be able to have the revolution and, and have another system because after the revolution, you still have to put something in place that people are going to live by, right? You can't have a chaotic society. Um, and because I don't know that we would ever get to that process, I'm trying to do the best that I can under the system that we have. And so I like to call my brand, you know, Born Beautiful Naturals, my Black feminism in praxis, which is just a fancy Latin word way of saying um, my theory in practice, right? This is the way I carry out my beliefs by what I do, um, the products that I make think about Black women first, Afro textured hair first, thinks about sensitive skin first, because a lot of people don't know this, but Black people are twice as likely to have sensitive skin issues as non-Black people 
are, which is why the sensitive skin part goes along with uh, my brand, right? So to have like issues with eczema, to have trouble trying to quench our skin and like keep it from being dry or ashy, which a lot of companies, they don't really think about that. They're trying to think about things that are not being greasy or whatever, or smelling good, but we just have other needs that um, the industry has not always thought about. They're getting better. So that's one part of it is um, who am I doing this for? Who's at the center of the things that I make? Uh, and also it matters how they feel and how I treat them and the images that they see. So I want that the images that um, Black women and Black people see, that they feel fortified by it, that they feel represented, that my brand is not full of only light skin, you know, girls with like big curls and things like that, that I'm thinking about the imagery and I'm thinking about who represents our, our brand, uh, you know, thinking about what's on our website, the language that we use, how inclusive um, we are, even down to the colors and how that's communicating. So having Black women at the heart or the center of what I do and always remembering that they're on the other end of that product, either their end users or they're buying for their kid or they're buying for um, their their partner somehow. Of course, we have non-Black women um, who use our products, which I definitely welcome. But I always say, you're welcome to benefit off of what I have cultivated um, to benefit the least catered to among us, but understand that this brand will never be about you. It will never center you because so many others do. So I think it's time that, you know, you spend your money, you benefit off of, you support and you engage, but this doesn't have to be about you for a change, right? It's going to be about us. (laughs) And just an honest thing, people, you know, I'm very honest, like, I, I told I saw, I said, born beautiful. But I was like, I recognize this, you know, I recognize it. <laughs> and I went in my bathroom, I was like, I have her product. I didn't know that, you know, until I did the research. So I bought this and some of her products like about six months ago. Um, as a jeweler, um, I go to Janet List. I know you mentioned UK Jamil. So there's this. Yeah, we were at the, the, um, the Christmas one. Christmas one, so my products were there as a jeweler, and I was thinking, okay, I need some conditioner, I need some, I need to break up habit always going to a beauty supply shop, which is usually mm. my Asian counterparts. There's nothing wrong with it, but yeah, if I can spend my money and I have a physical choice and I was there, I would yeah. try to buy black owned as possible and reframe my mind. It's like, oh, it's hassle. Like, no, 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 no. And every time I think of like I've go me and my partner, I'm just like do you want to go out eat? I said, is it black owned? <laughs> and no, seriously, like, we don't go out unless, all right, we do have the cheeky Nando's, okay? I'm not yeah, yeah. it. But if we were intentional going out somewhere, we asked, is it black owned? Even the products, is it black owned? And it's really yeah. hard to think like that um, because you're so easy, just, and it's the convenience. Definitely. And that's one of the, I would say that that's one of the biggest barriers to keeping the Black pound, if you will, circulating more in the Black economy is that like, it's not always convenient. And I think you're so right that you have to reframe your mind. And I'm really glad that you said that because it's about being intentional, right? Um, In the choices that you make and where you spend your money, 100%. Um, And I think that there's a lot that you can get online and there are plenty of people trying to make it easier. Janice List, Jammy, um, I think, you know, Black Pound Day, um, all, you know, all of these uh, people are trying to put things in one place so it's easy for you to shop um, and support Black-owned businesses. But you have physical stores like the beauty supply store, right? That is very convenient. It's there. You got like so many of them. And so we're still trying to get to um, that point. But uh, there's a a barrier. One more thing I want to say about um, like Asian community. I think um, it's only right for Black people to want to or make a conscious effort to support um, other black makers or, you know, black uh, entrepreneurs or, you know, hiring black people, because, you know, one thing I have uh, noticed and appreciated about many in the Asian community is that they do think about those things, right? They do want to 
um, like help support their family members, extended family members, friends or whatever, because there's a, a trust thing there uh, and about culture and about being able to um, communicate in certain ways um, with people who have like sort of cultural values that they do. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with like black people wanting to do more of that. We have a very, very diverse you know, culture of Black people here in Britain, whether you're from different parts of the Caribbean or you're from Western or Eastern, you know, um, Africa. And wherever we go, we enhance the culture, you know? So I'm really excited to see us shine and use our best creative energy to um, support each other. But can I just say this? I was chatting to my partner's brother and he was saying like, if we ask black, this is a very generalized statement. Uh, generalized yeah. statement. If we ask black people, hey, do you want to contribute to a party or to someone's wedding? They're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to contribute to a deposit to a house? Silence. And I was like, wow. Why do sometimes we see parties and sometimes short-term things when we're more likely to, not everybody, but just a general, mm-hmm. contribute than actually sustaining, because I do see it in Asian communities. When I grew up in different Asian communities, like, like a house like yeah i think i don't know if you're from jamaican origin i find like a, like having a partner where you have like this system. yeah i'm from jamaica yeah <laughs> so you have this kind of um system where if people don't know this um where you trust it's all about trust it only works on trust where you give money yep. <laughs> every month or every set of time to this kind of co-op or called state I don't know, eight people or eight families or whatever. So just make, make it up. I make it up. So everyone gets a grand a month. <laughs> Everybody, regardless if you're putting yet or everyone's putting a grand a month in. And the way how I see Asian people do with, with, with their houses is like, okay, there'd be like sometimes three or four families live in one house, one big house. Yeah. Yeah. And every they're making sure everybody's getting a house. <laughs> so you know, something yeah. like, oh, you you gotta move. Well, why be their mommy's boy for? Why why are you staying with your in-laws? And they're like, no, no, they're staying there. To save up their deposits and all that until and make sure they can buy buy their house. And I was like, wow, yeah. like my black community can do that. Like I'd be a house owner, you know, by you know, and have that, you know, generational wealth. You know, a lot of people yeah. think about like representation. Like, we need to be rep- like sometimes I love representation, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but some things you need to fight for and some things you don't need to fight for. Mm. Doctor Who is nice. Yeah, okay, we've got a black Doctor Who, but do you own your house? <laughs> you know are you sick and tired being followed in these beauty supply store like you want to like do you are you are you happy getting the treatment are you happy about going to certain schools and you don't know if your son or daughter is going to get handcuffed to, like there, there's things i want to fight about yeah <laughs> and there's things i just don't want to fight about you know what i mean so fighting yeah. for who or celebrity i'm not about that life i'm really about the economic stability because when you have some more economic stability you have more choices and more options yeah. and they'll see you differently yeah. so it's interesting what you say about black feminism about how you know putting us first is it's mm-hmm. important i'm, I'm, mod, I'm modeling, modeling that because they yeah. inspire me or inspire others to you know it's you know it's very easy when you watch love and hip-hop or i watch a bit of reality tv and think that's what black mm-hmm. women are and this mm-hmm. is why i create the podcast like this is real life this is the real hustle this is not like 10 years down the line and you're multi-millionaire hopefully or you know if you want to be like that and you're like well I just did it I just put my you know products on a store and then you know I made it no one let me tell you the A to B you know yeah and like being on between the A to B right that part and it's funny that you say that because I have been thinking so much about that and about wanting to share that those pieces but it's sometimes it feels like does anybody care or want to listen because we idolize a success story we idolize the you know the people who went from nothing to um something and that whole kind of uh overnight sensation or even if there was struggle so long as there is this um glow up part that people can celebrate that that story becomes more easily digestible. But sometimes it's not that easy for everybody. You know what I mean? We celebrated five years this year. And I would say 
that year four going into year five, toughest time I've ever had being in this business. And I have not been closer to quitting as often as I have in the past year, right? But the thing that keeps me going is that I can't give it up because I keep thinking of what I want to do, or I'm just like another day, or I get another idea, or I try another thing. And I, I keep trying because this is the thing that keeps um, motivating me. I forget, I saw something on Twitter, this was like a while back. Um, and I can't remember exactly the words, but it was something to, if it is your calling, it will keep calling you. And that's what keeps happening with me in this brand. Like something happens and it keeps calling me. Or when I feel really down, I'll get like a review or a testimony or it's out of the loop from someone, a customer, like where something extremely useful to them. And it just reminds me of keep going. I realize what I'm doing, but you're hundred percent right that sometimes the the stories or the images that we see make it look like, oh yeah, I went from this end to this end and it was that easy. And they kind of gloss over all of the unattractive, ugly, really hard bits like in between. Well, thank you for that. So as yeah. we this, so what is, because at the end of the podcast, we ask, we ask people, what is the best testimonial what someone's got uh, from their products or from their service? So what is one of the best ones you've had? Um, there was one, uh, I would say it was like a couple of weeks ago and I was really um, happy that this person waited two years before they left this review. <laughs> And they left it on um, a lotion of ours. Uh, it's called the Oat Rich Aloe Vera Soap Lotion for mild eczema. Um, and she said, I have been using this uh, product for over two years and it has really transformed my life in terms of like um, being able to bring relief to my skin and that she doesn't know what she would do without it. Never stop making it. And you know, I'm paraphrasing, but those things were in there. And I thought something I have done with my life has impacted a person this much. Like, I really cannot ask for anything better to do with my life. I feel like that is a legacy to leave that I've changed something about somebody's life and brought them a sense of relief or comfort because I just wouldn't give up until that thing was impactful enough. Um, and, you know, until that person could get it in their hands. And I just thought that is amazing and keep going, Katie. <laughs> that is so delightful to hear. Just keep going. That's what we should yeah. do. As you said, yeah. uh, you made me just think about, you know, this podcast and the purpose of like talking about the, the in-between of A to B not mm -hmm. always idolizing the success stories but the process yeah. stories of how we get there the so, process stories I'm yes i love that keeping it for the new website yeah you, you that's why you have to talk that, because you don't get the ideas that's so why you very have important. so yeah, yeah so thank you so much for that, that could be a whole podcast cassandra the process stories right the people who are like in the in-between they're on their way up or they're somewhere where they don't know but they know that they have something definitely and here we are so um i know it's in the show notes but how do we get contact reviews just for the audio life sure um so on you can find us on our website, bornbeautifulnaturals.uk. And it's born with a U in it because um, we're based in Bourneville. Born, it's a play on born, born. Um, on social media at bbnaturalsuk, you'll be able to find us. Um, if you're interested in me as an academic, you know, personal level or whatever, um, you can go to my personal website, kadianpal.com. Perfect. So you heard us. <laughs> the products. I didn't know, but I have one. I use the moisturizer. Sorry, the leave me leave in conditioner because I'm a lazy person. <laughs> I'm person <laughs> I just want to leave it in. I don't want to do 10 million wash days. Don't want to do I just want my stuff moisturized and I can leave it and it feels so soft on my skin and my hair. So uh without knowing you're I the person in mind, because I'm like, this doesn't have to be complicated. 
And much like you, I don't have time for all that either. This is what I did with my hair after I washed it today. And that's it. And that's all. I don't have time for all that other stuff. <laughs> Two plaits. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much. Podcast, the Black Coat Podcast. And we'll all speak soon. Hey. Thank you for listening to the Black Creative Handbook, your handbook for success, the manual, what you need to get there. Keep on working with us. Please share, comment, rate us, just help us out. We help you, you help us, we're family. Speak soon, next time, same time, next week. Show everybody love.